Hello, everyone. My name is Daniel Crane, and I am the program director at the Center for Creative Entrepreneurship, and you are listening to another Global Industry Spotlight, a conversational series focused on providing resources and insight for the creative entrepreneur. We are streaming live out of Comcast Business Startup Studio, a room designed for Chicago's small business community, located at 2112, Chicago's first music, film, and tech incubator. The Global Industry Spotlight today is on Elliot Calligan, CEO of Unlock Audio. Elliot began playing the violin at the age of four, piano at eight, guitar at 12, and the computer at 20. He enlisted in the uh, Army National Guard in order to study music. Five years later, he had received a bachelor's in music composition and a master's in cinema audio production. His accomplishments include composing uh, the original soundtrack for Trackmania by Ubisoft Nadio, scoring over 80 films, documentaries, animations, and video games. Work, his work has been heard in campaigns for United Airlines, Spider-Man Far From Home, the Chicago Advertising Federation, GMC, uh, the Godredge Group, Chevrolet Motors, and the Goodman Theater, and Joffrey Ballet. He's uh, self-released two solo electronic albums as Ramova, is appointed as the platoon leader at the... Uh, 1,744th Transportation Company, leading 60-plus soldiers. Uh, he's researching and, and creating a new business model for the game audio industry, and he founded Unlock Audio. Really uh, looking forward to our conversation today. Let me bring in Elliot. Hey, Elliot. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Um, reading the the list of accomplishments, you know, I, I, I it seems like it has been quite a, a journey um, and you have a lot of experience uh, in different kind of fields uh, from the National Guard to music performance to music composition. Um, can you just give us a little background about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I think the intro covered the, the broad strokes of it, but I've uh, been a musician my entire life. I originally went to school for architecture and was incredibly mediocre at it. Uh, but I, I met my wife while I was there, so I don't view it as a mistake whatsoever. Um, uh, after a few years, I realized I wasn't going to just be happy if I didn't actually pursue music and audio. So um, enlisted in the Army National Guard, used my education benefits. And um, yeah, I've just always been in the, the two worlds of the creative as well as the, well, very not creative of the military. Um mm -hmm. And I, I love and hate both things about both environments, I guess. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would love to hear, too, uh, just a, a little more about that. Right. You know, in terms of people who are building creative businesses, um, sometimes, you know, you have the two sides, right? You have people who are super creative and are maybe not the best at being organized and disciplined to make a business successful. And then, you know, on the other end, you have people who are uh, very organized and disciplined, but kind of lack some of uh, the creative skills to build something, um, you know, in the industry. So can you can you give us a little bit uh, about how those two things have kind of worked together, like your military experience and then with you also being a musician um, and, and, a, and a composer? Sure. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is just creating um, processes and systems for yourself um, in terms of efficiency and disciplining yourself. I feel like that's huge. Um, 
you know, every great accomplishment is a series of very small feats of achievement, right? So looking at it in terms of just making those incremental, um, uh, yeah, incremental progress, um, th that's really what it's about. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are always looking, you know, so far ahead at, you know, this pie in the sky vision of what they want that they don't think about uh, what's right in front of them and what the immediate things they have to do are. And um, I, I also really appreciate the military background because, um, you know, on the creative side, we're, we're so abstract and we almost want to avoid creating any sort of rigidity in ourselves because that limits what we can do. Right. Um, and on the military side, it's, it's, it forces you to have that pragmatic black and white. What is exactly in front of you? How exactly is this going to be done? How do you know for absolute sure that this thing is going to happen in this way? Um, so, I mean, they're, they're definitely in conflict at times, um, mm -hmm. but I, I love both and being able to use the different strengths of each way of thinking about things and, you know, hoping that I'm balancing the two things well, um, I think has been really helpful. And, you know, so you, you mentioned that you started, you know, your career, not your career, but you were, you know, going to be an architect. Um, and, and now you are running a audio company that focuses on, um, you know, music for media. Um, and can you talk a little bit about, how you transitioned and, and, and made the decision to start your own business. Sure. Um, so after I, I knew when I enlisted that this was, well, it was something that I had always wanted to do. I'd always had such an admiration of the military and I wanted to serve my country. So when it came time to, uh, figure out a way to make this happen. And I realized this is something I could be proud of. And also it would make my dreams come true. It was like, well, sign me up, let's go. Um, and uh, in terms of making the switch, once I completed um, my degrees, I had to go away for a good amount of time for military commitments. Um, and it was actually kind of a culture shock because I'd been enlisted for about five years at that point. And I don't know if anyone watching this is in the military, but you go from being crammed in sardine cans as enlisted to when I go to this military school as an officer, I got a hotel room, which blew my mind. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, after completing all those commitments, I came back home and, and honestly, I was a composer trying to find a foothold anywhere and everywhere. I was looking in opportunities for commercials, for production music, um, for film. And I was making, not frequent, but um, I was often making trips out um, west, uh, particularly to Los Angeles and San Francisco, because um, those were some hubs. And at the point, uh, games were a thing that I did. They were not the thing that I did. Um, and uh, I went to things like the production music conference, went to things like GDC. Um, and I, I'm also a huge metal head. So when you take, you know, the style of metal and then you add a classical music education, you put them together, 
uh, that is trailer music. Um, so um, <laughs> yeah, I, I did a ton of super huge, aggressive um, trailer albums and things. And the whole time that I was pursuing this, these commercial gigs, these film things, this production music, this trailer stuff, I was always working on games, um, but I was never particularly pursuing it too much. And then I um, really just had a moment where I realized, hey, like this game work is coming in. I'm feeling so incredibly fulfilled by it artistically. Mm. And then I realized, well, this medium on itself is in its relative infancy. I mean, games only existed um, starting in the 70s. And uh, there's so much that's left unexplored about this medium. There's so many things that we haven't figured out yet how to do in this medium yet. Um, and then I just also figured to myself, well, if it follows the same sort of arc as say film, um, this is going to be coming into its golden age pretty soon. And right. wouldn't it be cool if I was able to work in a medium that was exploding, that was creating all this incredibly wonderful, um, like creatively fulfilling stuff, um, well, that's just, I'm having my cake and eating it too. Like, let's do that. Um, and not, yeah. just just to back up a little bit too, when you were out attending these conferences and, and kind of, you know, investigating the different avenues of, of, of how to, you know, get work and, and meet people, had you started Unlock or were you kind of an independent consultant just kind of working for yourself? Got it. At that time, I was just a single person, um, that was trying to go out, network, and meet people, which mm -hmm. made things exponentially more difficult. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why did it make it more difficult? Um, because you have to look at it from a very transactional sense. Um, it takes a lot to communicate to someone that what you do and create is good, to be frank. Um, we think as creatives and artists that the quality that we hear, first of all, we have to get over the obstacle of if we create something that's really good for us, then other people will think it's good. Right. Which, no, their frame of reference is the top of the very top. So unless right. you are as good as Hans Zimmer, people don't think you're good. Right. Um, so you have to contend with that. Um, and then uh, secondly, it it involves so many other things beside just the thing that you create, right? So um, not only do people have a limited ability to hear the value of what you're creating, but then on top of it, if you're competing with folks that have a number of titles under their belt or accolades or other things that are indicators of you actually being good, and then on top of it, you also have to compete with folks who may have multiple people so they can just do more things simultaneously and take on a greater bandwidth and have all of these facilities and other things that tell people that they are good at what they do. Well, then you as an individual person who don't have accolades, who can only do so many things in a day, um, like you're really going to rely on just, well, my stuff is so good and people are just going to know it and, and draw, like be drawn to it. Um, that's just not the reality. Mm-hmm. And so you, you make this decision, you know, I want to be a part of this gaming industry. I see an opportunity here. Um, what were, you know, 
what were like some of those like key moments early on of okay like this i'm like doing the right thing right like i'm starting to have a little success with this it's working um can you talk about kind of that early phase uh yeah i think uh in terms of success i'd say the one indicator that i had that this was the right thing to go was just it was a really great culture fit immediately mm -hmm. um i always felt like i was kind of an outsider whenever i would go to any of these conference events for other industries and mediums and not only from the standpoint of i'm a newcomer but from a it just doesn't fit right um the game community and game audio community is just I guess just much more my style, I guess you'd say I'm a, I'm a big nerd. Um, so, uh, that just worked out. It just felt right. Um, in terms of early indicators of this is the right thing to do. Um, one thing is I, uh, when I decided I wanted to focus on games and actually start an audio group, I, uh, enlisted the help of my wife who works in design and innovation and, uh, real briefly, uh, plug her company is Pinpoint Collective. They're amazing. Um, if you need design and innovation, definitely hit them up. Awesome. Uh, but uh, she solves problems that people actually have, not the problems they think they have. So I went to her and said, I want to focus on this particular industry. Um, can we use your design thinking process and look at ways that we can design this group create a new business model or just do things differently. So I'm not just one of anyone and everyone who's just trying to claw their way to the top of the pack, right? Um, so we actually researched the game audio industry for about five or six months, wow. interviewed a ton of developers, did a ton of research and created a new business model that was catered to the specific niche of the industry that I was targeting. Um, and it's, uh, it proved successful because we got our first client that wanted us to take care of all the audio needs for their entire game within a month and a half of me creating materials and starting to get the word out there. Um, yeah. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, uh, this is great, a little bit about the, the business model or the idea behind, you know, your approach? Sure. So um, a lot of the ways in which the game industry was or still is operating in terms of audio are grandfathered in from linear, linear media. Um, and sometimes that makes all the sense in the world. Um, like a lot of folks are still working on a day rate. A lot of folks are still working on a, a per mat, per minute, per asset sort of rate. And there are absolutely instances where that still makes sense. Um, but I also had to look at it from the standpoint of who's realistically going to work with me. You know, I've got some, um, noteworthy accolades and titles under my belt at that point. Um, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer campaign was something that I could tell people that I right. helped with. That's massive. Um, but, you know, I, I really didn't have many notable titles in games at that point. Um, so I said, well, let's not try and target the big, huge AAA studios because they're going to be like Elliot Who. Um, instead, I started mid-level developers um, who... You know, if you have some great capabilities, um, you don't necessarily need to be at the production level or have you know, the budget and so many things that a AAA studio is looking for. So our model, instead of doing a per asset or per hour and whatnot, is based on a percentage of the development budget. 
because a lot of developers at that level don't have infinite resources if something comes up and something changes, right? If you think about a per asset or a per minute commitment, you are saying we'll make you know X number of things or X numbers of minutes of music, um, and they're making that commitment at the start of a project, but the development cycle may be between one and a half to three years long, and there's almost no way that they know exactly how many of the things they're going to need um, just because games ebb and flow and change as they're being developed. So this way, we go to them and we give them a healthy percentage, but it means that if there's any aspect of audio, music, um, voice, as well as implementation and audio programming, they just send us an email and we take care of it. Mm. Um, and for a developer where they don't have infinite resources, where they can't hire a 14-person audio department, for us to say, we're essentially bringing you an audio department and we're not going to have to change our agreement um, when you realize that you really need this other asset here or you really need this other thing here. Um, it makes them feel a lot more secure when working with us. If anything audio or music related pops up, they just send us an email and we make it happen. Yeah, that's yeah that that seems super smart, um, and I can see why you would start to get a lot of clients uh, with with that with that approach. Can you tell us, you know, what what's what's on lock working on right now? What are some things that you're excited about or looking forward to that you can talk about, um, or you know, where do you see the business going? You know, those are a couple questions, but just kind of a, a general what's happening now. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited because I just hired a full-time operations producer, which is going to make my life so much easier. <laughs> uh, just Good. Just congrats. congrats. That's great. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, in terms of stuff that we're working on that I can talk about, um, we, oh, uh, the, the game Space Punks by Flying Wild Hog just came out. We were able to help with all voice casting and um, direction for that. Um, another thing we were able to announce um, was uh, the game Autopsy Simulator by Woodland Games. Uh, if you like dark, it's basically a supernatural whodunit of, well, a mortician, basically. Um, right. So if you want something that's just dark and brooding in every possible way, check that out. Um, there are... And I really wish I was asked this question in like four or five months because then there's some really cool things I could talk about. But let's, <laughs> just, uh, let's just say that the um, uh, the me the medium of games is not restricted to just video games, um, and there are some very cool, well-known IPs that we've been able to work on in some other sort of game mediums, um, some superhero types of things that are coming out. Um, it's exciting. Well, you know, congratulations on that. It's not easy to build a business and create your own niche. And it, it just seems like you've kind of done um, done a lot of research and, and, and put a lot of work into developing this model. And, and uh, you know, it's it's cool to see you as you are, are growing. Um, I, I, we were talking offline. You were saying that you, you know, you're teaching a class and you love the first day because uh, it's, you know, you kind of like lay it out of like what it really means to be an entrepreneur and people are kind of like, uh oh, um, can you talk a little bit about that just um, in terms of the realities, right, of owning your own business and starting, uh, you know, to go on on your own? Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, so yeah, uh, I, for the first time this term, I'm teaching a, um, establishing a creative business course at DePaul and, um, I'm loving it so far. Uh, the very first day I basically look at as half of it, the goal is to raise alarm bells for everyone. Cause I don't think most people getting into being a creative entrepreneur really understand what it's going to be like, or really understand what the odds are of them being successful. Mm. Um, because the odds are that you are absolutely going to fail. Um, <laughs> over half of all businesses fail within the first five years. And that number is significantly higher for creative entrepreneurs. Right. Um, I call the very first day the sort of dream crushing lecture. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that was the term. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the very first year that I got back from all of my military commitments and, you know, this is again with a master's degree. This is also with me just constantly writing music all the time for anything and everything. I think I had a library of maybe 300 tracks at that point. Um, and I get back and say, all right, I'm going to hit the ground running and make it happen. This is my moment. And, you know, the very first year as a full-time composer, I think I made like $4,000 right. for an entire year. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm working side jobs and things at the same time. But I think most people uh, think it's going to be glamorous and that there's going to be a moment where someone hears how great they are and they'll just be whisked into another tier of society. And, you know, while that happens to some people, it uh, doesn't happen to most. Um, and, you know, you, you got to be willing to just deal with some like terrible, you know, situations. I mean, the world is very unfair and it's against you in a lot of ways at that moment. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you gotta, you gotta want it so bad that even if you fail miserably, you're going to be glad that you did it. Um, because if you're doing it for money, um, prop it, like realistically, it's probably not going to work out. So right. are you right. still going to be happy even if you fail at this? Yeah. It's a great point. And, you know, I love how you bring up too. like, I was composing, you know, I made four grand in the year and I had a bunch of other jobs. Um, you know, I can relate to that as well. You know, having worked many different jobs just to, you know, kind of put a career together. I mean, um, and until I'm able to fully, you know, sustain myself on one thing, I, I always had to do a couple things. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and then some people who are fortunate and kind of break through that threshold to be able to, you know, have their own company and, and, and do one thing. And then even like you're saying, Hey, I hired somebody. I mean, that's huge, right? That's a, that's a big moment to be able to hire somebody. Um, so then you're not, you know, doing everything yourself. Uh, well, Elliot, you know, this has been a great conversation. I I'm glad that we connected, um, you know, congratulations on, uh, unlock success. Um, we appreciate you taking the time, uh, to talk to us today about, you know, being a creative entrepreneur, some of the things that, uh, have been helpful for you. I, I really, appreciated how you mentioned, you know, when you started working in the gaming industry, how you, you, you met your people, right? You felt comfortable in that culture. I think that's a, another thing of like, yeah, if you're going to be out there struggling and, you know, building something and going through those tough moments, it's also important that we're, the space that you're in, you actually enjoy the people, right? It's like, right. you know, yes, making money is all very important, but also living, you know, fulfilling life and enjoying the things that you do are are also essential. And that'll be essential for you to have success because you'll just, you'll, you'll be able to put in that work, right? Right. I mean, so much of it is networking and relationships. And, right. you know, if you don't 
like the people and or the relationships with those people, um, you're just not going to do, you're not going to be your best self. You're not going to do your best work. So yeah, I mean, know that this culture is like where you, you feel like you belong and where it fits. It'll make a huge impact. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Elliot, uh, for taking the time to talk to us today. Of course. Thanks again for so much for having me, Daniel. Awesome. Well, what a what a wonderful conversation with Elliot. Um, check out Unlock uh, Audio. Uh, he's he's you know built a new business model. He's developed something himself. Obviously, he has some big things coming up. Um, so check out what he is doing. Uh, again, my name is Daniel Crane. I am the program director of the Center for Creative Entrepreneurship, and this was another episode of Global Industry Spotlight, a conversational series focused on providing resources and insight for the creative entrepreneur. We are streaming out of the Comcast Business Startup Studio located at 2112, Chicago's first music, film, and tech incubator. Thank you to 2112, Comcast Business, and Shure for providing the tools necessary to make our programming possible. Visit cceglobal.org to register for free workshops offered by our partners and ourselves. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and tune into our next Global Industry Spotlight on May 12th with Michelle Breyer, Chief Marketing Officer at SKU, the nation's first CPG accelerator. Again, I hope everyone has a wonderful day. We will talk with you soon and take care.